In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. St. Moses says, St. Moses the Strong, the patron saint of our church says, whatever activities that we do in life that do not lead us to prayer in secret with God are useless. Give that, I'll shout that out again. St. Moses says, whatever activities we do in life that don't contribute to our, our life of prayer with God are useless. I was attending a, a conference for priests once. I think I shared this with you before, so I'll be brief. Um, and a bishop was giving a talk about how to deal with conflict in the church, specifically amongst the servants, the deacons, and the priests themselves, when the priests don't get along. And his frame of reference that he was coming from was entirely this. He was saying, look, how am I going to stand before God whose father is this other person and this and he's also my father when i can't stand this guy's guts and god knows everything and he sees everything so how how uh, all you parents out there right i hate your kids i want your kids to like die now how can i come and talk to you how what, how will i have a face to come talk to you and even if i do even if in my ignorance how will I be received? And how is God supposed to deal with me? And his whole frame of reference for conflict resolution was how, why in the universe would I let something between me and a person compromise my time with God? And the frame of reference he was talking from was that the most precious thing in the universe is, is those few minutes or, or, or maybe hour that he gets to spend alone with God. And if that's the most precious thing in your life, why would you let anything else, why would you let anything else come anywhere near compromising it? I'll give you another example. Father Anthony, I learned this from Father Anthony Messe in a sermon once, a good friend of mine, and I like listening to his sermons. He says this, he says, he's talking about, um, he's talking about relationships with people of the other gender for married people. And he says, look, I love women, women love me. And we're, we're, we're on good terms, I like women just as much as I like men, right? But women out there, all the women out there, have the power to do something that it really scares me. Every single woman out there, seeing as I'm straight, has the power to completely destroy the one thing I hold most dear, my marriage. So I treat men and women equally. I treat everybody the same, but deep down in my heart, I've got, I've got a, a boundary. I've got, I've, I have, I've take one step back. I have a safe zone of space that I keep between me and any other woman out there other than my wife. Why? Because I want to protect that which I hold most dear, my marriage. In today's gospel, the disciples go to Jesus and they tell him, teach us to pray. Jesus teaches them the Lord's prayer. And there's many beautiful things we could say about the Lord's Prayer. But after that, he teaches them the attitude upon which prayer is based. And that's what I want to share with you. He teaches them, he gives them a parable. He tells them, look, some guy 
sleeping in his bed and he gets a knock at the door and the knock the knock is persistent and it's like 11 o'clock or something it's late at night right and the knock is persistent and from the door comes a voice saying hey John how are you it's your friend you know Rami this great friend in Vancouver named Rami it's your friend Rami right Rami? Rami who? Rami Atallah, you know, we, we used to hang out all the time, we'd go out for sushi in the middle of the night, we'd go feed the poor in the middle of the night. Rami, all that good stuff we used to do in, in Toronto. It's like, and the, the, the guy says, dude, I'm in bed, I put my kids to bed and, and everything. I can't come and open to you. And I could give you all much, a whole lot more historical context of why it was incredibly impractical, unsafe, and even, you could say, uncivilized for him to go and open the door. And then, but because of the persistence of the guy, uh, sorry, he opens the door, he opens the door to his friend. Sorry, I got, the pair, I got the story wrong. Let's do it again, right? So he gets the, I get the knock at the door, Rami's at the door, I open for him. Rami comes in, Rami and I have appetites like the size of, you know, a brontosaurus, right? So I'm like, and I look in my fridge, you know, single guy, and all I have is like salad dressing and ketchup, right? And then, so I close the fridge and I'm like, Stay right there. I mean, what do I do? I run to my neighbor. In Jesus' time, people, families lived in villages. So the neighbor was probably his brother, his cousin, somebody he was related to. And he knocks on his door. Hey, 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 open up, open up, right? What, what, it's, it's the middle of the night. What do you want? It's, I need something to set before my guest. It was shameful in Jesus' time, if a guest was coming to visit you and, you, and you put nothing before him, you served him a glass of water, you know? It was shameful, right? But it wasn't only shameful, it wasn't only shameful to the, the host, it was shameful to the whole family, right? What an indecent family that they don't know how to be hospitable and they don't have any sense of hospitality and so on. And with all of that, the neighbor still, who's his cousin or whatever, still doesn't want to open to the host. So what does he do? He keeps knocking until he opens for him. Right? He's persistent. There's a word in the Old English, it's in the King James, and then they didn't use it in the New King James, and they don't use it in other versions, but it really, there's no English, there's no good translation for it. It's called importunity. He asks with importunity. He asks with he, you know what it's like? It's like when you were a teenager and you wanted to go to the mall and your parents didn't want to drive you and you just kept nagging them. Even if it took all Saturday afternoon, you kept nagging them to take you to the mall, right? Because instead of spending Saturday, the entire Saturday at home, if you nag them for long enough, they'll take you, right? And you'll get to spend some time with your friends at the mall. That's what it's like. It's asking with persistence, with the full knowledge and full certainty that you will get what you're asking for. That's what it's about. I heard a beautiful sermon that I can't help but share with you by Father Matthew the Poor, unfortunately in Arabic, otherwise we would email it all out to you. Right? Where Saint Father Matthew the Poor, God bless his soul, is talking about the parable of the persistent widow. Jesus tells another parable. He says there was a widow, you know, widows in Jesus' time were, had nothing and had no possible means of gainful employment, right? So they were relegated to beg. So a widow had very little and that was taken from her unjustly. So she goes and pleads her case to the judge and the judge says, look, look lady, I don't have time for your, for, for your little thing. I'll deal with it later, right? So what does she do? She keeps nagging the judge and she keeps nagging him until he gives her 
what she wants. And Jesus says, he calls it it's the parable of the unjust judge, right? And Jesus, Jesus says, if the unjust judge gave her what she wanted, how much more will your Father in Heaven give to you? And this passage from, from Luke 11 is all about the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you something. What Father Matthew is saying, he's saying we often hear that parable of the persistent, of the persistent widow and the unjust judge and think that the moral of the story is we just got to nag God enough. I want to tell you no, Father Matthew the poor says. That's not, that's not the moral of the story. Or it could be one moral of the story and it's not wrong. But there's another deeper moral upon which that one is founded, which may end up with a behavior of nagging or not nagging. But the deeper attitude is what God is looking for. Father Matthew says, all of spiritual life pivots around the fulcrum of one specific quality. There's one quality upon which all of spiritual life is founded and no life in God is possible without it. And that is certainty. Certainty that you will receive from God. If we have no certainty, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? If you have no certainty, what monk would have left the world and sold everything and went to the desert? What priest would have quit his job and then this to serve the church and serve God's people? What person, what wealthy person would give of their goods and share of their goods with the poor, knowing that the, the poor, the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor? And we are begging for intercessions and prayers from the poor, that one day, one day God will smile on me because of the love that I showed him through his vicars, through his deputies, who he put here on earth to receive from us, the poor. If you, have not, if you don't have enough reasonable certainty, you will never act. I know that for sure. I know that for sure. I just had this great meeting yesterday with one of, uh, one of the parishioners here, and we're we we're talking about different things and, and, uh, and some stuff going on in his life. And he, he said, I, I, could, I could share this, not here, right? And, and um, I suggested to him that we get the opinion of someone who's a specialist in that area. And he says to me, look, Father John, the reason I'm good at business is because I know how to weed out the nonsense and just get to the bottom line. If there isn't at least an 80 degree percent certainty for me doing something, then I don't, I don't do things to like dot the I's and cross the T's. I just, I just go for the bottom line and put, all, put everything I have in that. And do you know what? I don't know anything about business, but it sounded like pretty sound advice. You know, it sounded like pretty sound advice, not wasting two or three weeks getting the opinion of some specialist to tell you what you already knew that the very unlikely thing is indeed very unlikely. I was a specialist in my past life, so I like dotting the I's and crossing the T's. I'm a curious person, maybe not always so practical. But if you have certainty, if you have enough certainty, you will act. And that's the key. The key to our life of prayer is not learning new techniques of prayer. We can discuss about eight different methods of prayer. The Lord's Prayer being one of them, the Jesus Prayer, liturgy, all this stuff, right? But that's not the point. 
Most things in spiritual life are 90% attitude, 10% technique. That's why Jesus teaches them the prayer. He teaches them the formula, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and so on. But then he spends all of his time teaching them the attitude. So my question to you, and the question that I, that I wish all of us, myself included, to pose to God and to ourselves, what's the next piece of evidence that I need to build my certainty in God as specifically a God who answers prayer? Put it before God. St. Thomas puts it before God and says, unless I put my finger in the print of the nails, unless I put my hand in, in his side, I will by no means believe. Jesus appears to him and tells him, put your finger, put your hand, be believing. God wants to build that certainty in us. What I find flabbergasting, to be honest with you, is how much God believes in me compared to how much I believe in God in light of who is worthy to be believed in. Like who has proven themselves reliable, right? But put that aside, put that aside. What do you want? What do you want from God so that you will believe Him the next time you ask for something? You will believe that He is a God who answers prayer. Put that in your heart. Put it before God. Tell Him, Lord, I too, like Thomas, have doubts. Look, certainty is, is, a, is a spectrum. It's not binary. Yes, I'm certain. No, I'm not. It's, it's a spectrum and if we're rational human beings, it's built on reason reasonable evidence. Evidence which you find to be reasonable. The next guy next to you or, or on the other side doesn't have to find it rational. You have to find it rational, right? If it's rational to you and you're a rational person by the society standards, the guy next to you will probably, the girl next to you will probably find it rational. But the point is, this is for you. Not, this is for me, not for anybody else. What reasonable certainty do you need to take the next step on the journey of certainty? To take that next step so that next time you kneel before God, you can pray and you can know that God is going to give you. And that's what the earlier readings were all talking about. They were talking about that, that it's hope that gives life to our faith. There's a beautiful book by Anthony Cunieris. The, the title of the book is Hope, the Heartbeat of Faith. If you have all the faith of the word in the world, but you have no hope that it's going to materialize, you're unlikely to do anything about it. Hope is what pushes us over the edge to action. It's founded. It's it's the the, the you know hope eats reasonable certainty for breakfast. Reasonable certainty is what will allow you and me to. Take that next step with God. Pray and ask God with me during the liturgy. Pray and ask God this week every day. Lord, I want to take that next step with you. I want to have certainty, Lord, that when I stand before you, I'm standing before you. I'm standing before Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. I'm standing before the one with to whom nothing is impossible. I'm standing before the one who with four words created light. Let there be light. Who with very, in all simplicity and all power and all love has put me here. I want to have certainty, Lord, in you. I don't want to 
have ideas or, or, or fluffy, warm, fuzzy feelings, Lord. I want to have certainty, certainty, Lord, that's, that's palatable, certainty, Lord, that's tangible, certainly, certainty, Lord, that I can hold on to. So it can be my anchor, Lord, in the waves of the storms. I can come and kneel before you and know that with certainty, Lord, whatever I put before you, Lord, you are listening. Glory be to God forever and ever again. Amen.